0: Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family. This is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. The Lord our God. The Lord is one. Now, um, the term God refers to a, a being who is before all things, who is the creator and the governor of all things except himself. By nature, This being is absolute. He is eternal, having none of the limitations of time. He is absolute in his power, so that with him all things are possible. He is perfect in his name, having no flaw either in his glory or holiness. He is personal in character. So God is perfect. We believe that God, there is nothing wrong with him. We believe that in a God that has... Uh, being existing for eternity and I recognize as believers there are things of God that we will never get to understand until we're there in heaven but by faith we accept uh, the, the, the attributes of God um, understanding that as, as, a, as a friend of mine used to say or he still says that he says Human being is like a little tiny rock, deep in the ocean. We will never, as that rock cannot understand how huge is the ocean. Human being can never understand how huge God is, how big He is. It's impossible for us to understand things about God right now. But we believe in a God that is perfect, that has always existed, that was not created, and that he is the creator. Now, this, uh, um, our God, we can say there is three persons, but only one God. So um, the term person is used to identify the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as individual, individual distinctions in the Godhead. Each of these persons is distinguished from the other in the following respects. Name, will, word, and nature. So even though we believe in three persons, one God, these three persons, Father God and Holy Spirit, are, um, we can say, in the, in the same line always. They are always in agreement. There will never be any contradiction. There will never be any opposition among them. They are always um, in, in the same line, doing the same things, or, or working for the same plan, we, we can say. Now, the, the Bible, um, in, in the Bible, we will never find the word Trinity, right? It's not like you read the Bible and the word Trinity is there. But you can find the three persons uh, mentioned in the in the entire Bible, especially in the old in the New Testament, of course, but even in the Old Testament, we have references to the to God, Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. So, just to check a few verses of um, where we can find the three persons of, of the of the Trinity mentioned, uh, we have, for for example, sorry, Matthew twenty eight. Verse 19, that says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We also have uh, Hebrews 9.14. 9, uh, 9, it says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So there is a mentioning that uh, Christ, through the Holy Spirit, offered himself to God. Okay, that's the three persons uh, of God there, of the Trinity in there. So um, the term father is used to identify the first person of the Godhead. He's father because he begets his son. He fulfills the role and nature of father because he does piquet. He is eternal father because eternally he has a son. There are other aspects of fatherhood, but this is the one eternal group of his being. He is the father. He is the, we can say somehow he's there in the top. Then the second person of the Trinity is called the son. Because he's out of the of the nature of the Father. I'm sorry. Let me read that again. He's out of the nature of the Father through the act of begetting eternally. In this way, he is Son by nature. He is God out of God. That is Son of God out of the nature of His Father. And then the third person is the Holy Spirit. Um, it's called. Uh, the Holy Spirit, because he proceeds from the personal nature of the Father and the Son as their spirit. The biblical analogy is, is to the concept of breath and power. He goes forth as the breath or power of God. But he is not an impersonal force. He is personal being. Um, he is that personal being who fulfills the work of God. The term ghost and spirit may be used as equivalents. They are both used to translate the same Hebrew and Greek word from uh, Scripture. So the Holy Spirit is not just the presence of God. It's just not the power of God. In the the Bible, we will see many verses um, about how the Holy Spirit makes or takes decisions and how the Holy Spirit uh, uses people people of God, of course, to work miracles or to go and preach the gospel, whatever. In, in fact, in my opinion, if I had um, the, the power to, to change uh, uh, the name of one of the books in the Bible, I will change the, the name of the books, uh, of the book from Acts of the Apostles to Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because when we read that name, I'm sorry, that book, we see we're always uh, reading there. The Holy Spirit said this, the Holy Spirit said that, the the Holy Spirit ordered this and that. So that's why I will say, hey, this book and many scholars will say, hey, the the name of this book should be Acts of the Holy Spirit. So, um, just to... um, Finish with this. I wanted to. I wanted to make it a little shorter so we can go on to the the next um, article. God is eternal in his. God is eternal in his oneness, and this threeness. Hence, his eternal Trinity. Each person in the Trinity is eternal. The personal distinctions of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Are eternal in existence and name. The Father is the Father eternally, the Son is Son eternally, and the Holy Spirit is Spirit is Spirit eternally. There is eternal oneness and eternal Trinity in the Godhead. The Father is Father because He begets His Son, and that from eternity. The Son is Son because He's begotten a Son. From everlasting, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, because from eternity he has proceeded from the Father and Son. Now, I want to f- read a few verses, too, about the, the Trinity. Uh, I want to share 1 Corinthians 8, uh, 4-6. to It says, Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is no other God but one, saying there's only one God. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we Live. Second Corinthians 13, thirteen fourteen says, "The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit we be with you all, Amen." And then John one, chapter one, verse one and two, in the beginning was the Word. Yeah, this is the gospel of John. John 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So the word, Word, in this uh, verse is speaking about Jesus, who is also called the Word of God. Jesus was there when uh, God was creating the world. We can actually, in Genesis 1, 1 and 2, we can read... And, and they clearly mentioned that God is there and his spirit is there. But now John is adding to that and the word of God. Let's remember that everything was made by the word of God. He, God never uh, made the world, let's say, with his hands, only with his, his word. That word was a reference of Jesus Christ. Okay, Everything was done. For him and through him. This is Jesus. Amen? So, yeah, that's in a, in a very uh, short explanation. Um, yeah, the Trinity of God. Why we believe in the Trinity of God. Even though it's not, um, the word Trinity is not in the word of God. We can find that, yeah, God is made of three persons but it's only one God that we believe. Now, the third article is the following. It's a little uh, longer. We believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of the Father, conceived of the Holy Ghost, and born of the Virgin Mary. That, That Jesus was crucified Buried and raised from the dead, that he ascended to heaven and is today at the right hand of the Father as intercessor. This is basically Christianity, that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the the anointed one, the one that God sent to save the world and we will see a little bit more about that later. It's not possible that somebody will be a Christian without believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen? This is a contradiction. I cannot say, oh I am a Christian but I do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God or yeah I, I um, I am a Christian, but I don't believe that Jesus is God. Or I am a Christian, but I don't believe that Jesus is the Savior. That's a total contradiction. If you believe with your heart and you confess that Jesus is the Lord and that he is the Son of God, he is the Christ, he is the Messiah, then you'll be saved. And then, of course, you will be a Christian or a follower of Jesus. Now, the... um, The the name Jesus means Savior. That's the meaning of the word of the name Jesus, literally. And this was a very common name, actually, in Jesus' times. Like, he was not the only Jesus there when it comes to the name, but he was the only one, Jesus, when it comes to the meaning of the name. He was the Savior, the only one that was able or that could save the world from, from uh, its sins. Now, the meaning of the, the word Christ. By definition, this term means anointed one. It is appropriately used as a title of office. By application, the term designates the Messiah. The anointing uh, referred to in this title is the anointing of the Holy Spirit, which is poured out upon Christ infinitely. So basically, yeah, only one person could be called the Christ, and it was the Savior. It was the Son of God, that one who God sent to save um, the world. We believe also that uh, Jesus is the only begotten son of the Father. This is a description of Christ's eternal relationship with his Father. It distinguishes his sonship from any temporal relationship of sons, such as created or adopted son. He alone is begotten. He is son of the Father's nature, eternally son, and eternally equal to the Father in glory and power. I want to read some verses about that and how the, the Bible basically uh, um, supports this, uh, what do we believe in. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Then verse 18, this is John 1, verse 18, says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. And of course, we have John 3:16. Um, many people, and I agree with that, will say if one day somebody wants to, to find the Bible or to, or to summarize the Bible in just, in just one verse, then that verse has to be John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's basically how you summarize the Bible. When you read the Old Testament, you will find uh, the message of salvation by faith through Jesus. Now you will say, "Hey, but Jesus was not was never mentioned in in the Old Testament. How come? Is the Old Testament talking about Jesus. Well, in the Old Testament, we'll find a lot of references and prophecy of that who was to come to save the world. That's how in, when Jesus came to the earth, they were able to know that he was the son of God because all the prophecies were perfectly accomplished in his person. So the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, you will never find the word Jesus, but you will find a lot of references and prophecies about him. And then in the New Testament, of course, is clearly revealed who is the Christ and what he came to do and what he did on the cross for us, which is something that we'll talk uh, a little bit more in in, a few minutes. We believe that um, Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. The conception referred to here is the conception of Jesus in the, in the womb of Virgin Mary. This conception accounts for the origin of the historical person of Jesus in his human nature. By this miracle, his form body, soul and spirit. So I want to say something uh, here. And it's that Jesus was, we can say in a way, yeah, he was the son of, of Mary and, and Joseph because they were the, the two people that God chose to be part of, of their family, if you will. But um, especially with Mary, many people would say that Jesus shared, we can say, Mary's genes or her blood and no. Okay? Jesus' conception was not or 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 God did not use the egg uh, uh, the egg of in the womb of, of Mary. Okay? The very little cell of Jesus was put there in in Mary, but it did, but Jesus did not share any genes or or blood with her. Is that making sense? So in that sense, no, she was not Jesus' mother, okay? It was a miracle that happened there that a virgin uh, had, of course, a, a baby in there that was, that baby was put there by God, okay? So, um, and, and of course, we believe that uh, according to the scriptures, the Old Testament was prophesying that the Christ was going to be born of a virgin and that's what happened. We do believe that um, the scripture affirms that Mary was a virgin at the time of the conception of Jesus in her womb and that she remained a virgin until after his birth. In this affirmation the birth of Jesus Christ can be accounted for only on the basis of divine intervention. This affirmation of Mary's virginity applies only to the period of her life prior to the birth of Jesus. And does not imply that she remained virgin thereafter. Thus, the phrase "virgin birth" refers to the birth of Jesus. We do believe that Mary did not remain virgin. Is that a? Is that like very important? Not really. If some others says, "Hey, yeah, he she remained a virgin," well, hey. Even though I don't agree with that, it's not like something is going to affect our salvation. But thinking that she was not a virgin—that's a very dangerous place to be at, because, like I said, that was one of the of the the, the fact that she was a virgin meant, meant that the Old Testament prophecy was real and that it came to happen in the person of Jesus. And like I said, saying that she was not a virgin, uh, yeah, it will, it will be in total contradiction with the Bible. Now, um, Jesus Christ is the only Savior. There is no other Savior. There is no other way to be saved. He is the way the truth, and the life. No one can go or make it to the Father but through him. So we believe that there is no salvation in Muhammad. There is no salvation in, in Buddha or in any other person that appears saying, uh, I can give you salvation. We don't believe that. Only in Jesus. Only through him you can find salvation. Um, Now, some other thing that is very important about uh, Jesus that we have to say is that when he came to the earth, and actually he's still, he's both. He is God and he's a man. He was... um, made a real man like a real human being when he came to the earth but that doesn't mean that he wasn't god so what i'm saying here or what we believe is that jesus had uh, two natures his divine nature of being god and his human nature of being you know a real person who had to drink water, who had to eat, who had to sleep, that um, that he was, of course, he was a mortal. He died on the when, like, and on the cross, he literally he died. It's not like he was faking it. It's not like, um, in fact, uh, Pastor Dave was sharing that uh, this morning with one of the with uh, with one. Um, guy that came here to church this morning and and wanted to hear the gospel from from us and pastor Day was sharing the gospel and pastor Day was saying hey you know what jesus really died for us he was it was not something like hey in uh, during the night the disciples came and and took jesus off the cross while he was still alive and then he whatever took care of him until he was okay and then he faked the resurrection of Jesus. No, he really died. So as a human being, he did die. But that doesn't mean that he was not God. Now, as God, he is the eternal Son of God, and he's equal in divine nature to God the Father. In his nature as Son, he's eternal and unchangeable. And as a man... He fulfilled every aspect of manhood. He had a body, he had a soul, and he had a spirit. Now, while he was here in the, in the earth, Jesus did never sin. If somebody one day comes to you and asks, Hey, did Jesus ever had I don't know, a thought of, killing somebody, for example? No, he didn't. Did Jesus ever say just a little lie, just a very, very tiny, little innocent lie? No, he didn't. He did never lie. He never committed, not even one sin. Whatever bad thing that you can imagine, Jesus didn't do it. Basically, that's it. He was holy. So, he fulfilled the requirements of the law as a redeemer by his perfect life and substitutionary, atoning, atoning death. By his perfect life, Jesus fulfilled all the requirements of godliness. These requirements include the demands of the written the written law of God, and the inward demands of purity and devotion to God. In this perfect life, Jesus kept himself free from any accusation before the judgment of God and also provided a record of perfection to be given to the account of those who come to God by him. So basically, if Jesus, let's say that Jesus did commit just one sin, just one little tiny sin, then he could not die for us. Because God was asking for somebody that was perfect, that never sinned, to die to save us. Right? Jesus, um, I'm sorry, God needed somebody that will accomplish in a perfect way his law. And that could only be done basically by God so that was the reason why if we believe that Jesus sinned then we'll have to say then he was not God or he is not God because God will never commit a sin. Now um, in his atoning death he took our condemnation that's our sentence, our sentence of death, and was judged as if he were the one who had committed the sins that we have committed. His death was uh, a substitute for our death. He was judged in order that we should not be judged. In the fulfillment of our redemption, Jesus was bodily raised from the dead. By his resurrection, he overcame all the consequences of sin and is able to offer his perfect life and atoning blood on our behalf for our justification. In the body of the resurrection, he has ascended to the right hand of the Father. So Jesus came back to life three days after the cross. Now, why it is so important that as, that as believers we believe that he was rose from the dead. Why is so critical to the point that many we can say atheists or many people that do not believe in Jesus or people from other religions it is hard to for them to prove that Jesus never existed that is Impossible. We have so many references of Jesus not only in the Bible but through history that it is undeniable that he was here, that at least a guy named Jesus that died on the cross was here and in the earth 2,000 years ago. So they will try to, to prove that resurrection never took place. But why is so important Jesus' resurrection? Many would say, hey, the important thing was Jesus to die on the cross and to save us. The resurrection is not important, but that's not true. It is very important. Why? Because the fact that he came back to life showed that he was perfect, that he never committed a sin. So basically, the Bible says that the consequence of sin is death. When Adam and Eve were created, they were created eternal or immortal. It was after they sinned that then death came to all these things. Death and and sickness and all this came to the earth. But before that, that never happened. So why people die? Because of sin. Jesus died even though he never sinned. But he, the Bible says that when he came to, to the center of the, of, the, of the planet, of the earth. Now I, I want to give this example. Just imagine this. When somebody dies without Jesus, when somebody, an unbeliever, um, dies, they will go to a place called hell. The Bible says that hell is in the center of the earth, right? There is a, we can say there is a legal document that will give Satan the right to keep people in hell and what is this legal document saying all your sins so when you get there and you for example not you guys okay not you when an unbeliever <laughs> gets there and says why am I here they will take the list and start reading all the sins that this person committed because you did this, you did that, 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 all this, all this, and that. So you gotta stay in here. You did never repent, so you will stay here for eternity. But when Jesus came there and they opened the document or they opened the, the books to read Jesus' sins, what did they find? Nothing it was empty so immediately legally they had to say you got to go back to life we cannot have you here there is no reason for you to be dead and that's how jesus overcome he how he did overcome death by being holy because he was holy so that's the reason the legal reason why it is so important his, his resurrection is so important because it means that He was God, that He is holy. And now, once we repent and believe in Him, His holiness, He, he gives your holiness, His holiness to us. Now, when we repent and when we accept that Jesus died for me on the cross, that He paid on His death for my sins... The list, that, the, the list of my sins that Satan had is completely erased. The bill is paid. Like when you go to, well, it, that never had happened to me. But let's say in a movie when, you know, the guy goes and uh, he's going to pay the bill. And, and uh, the cashier says, oh, that's okay. That other guy paid the bill for you. That's basically what happened. Jesus already died for you, so you will have eternal life. And the second thing why, the second reason why it's so important to believe that Jesus rose from the dead is that our God is not dead. We do not believe in a dead God. That makes no sense. God is life, God cannot be dead. We cannot believe in a in a God that died and disappeared or n- whatever. No, 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 Jesus is alive, and he is now, of course, after after. Uh, Rosen raised after his resurrection. He, I think, he stayed 40 days here in, in Earth, sharing with the apostles, and then he went to heaven. And we're gonna read some verses uh, about that too. So, um. Okay, back to what we were talking about—his divine nature. I'm going to read some verses about how the Bible says that Jesus is God. Matthew 1:23 says, "Behold, the vir- the virgin shall be with the- with I'm sorry, behold the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel." which is translated God with us. That was a prophecy in the Old Testament that um, that Jesus was going to be called, not literally his name, but the meaning of it, God with us. So when Jesus was here on earth, people would say, this is God among us. Not only God in heaven, far away from us, now God is here with us. So people was calling Jesus God. And the Bible calls Jesus God. John 20, uh, that's chapter 20, verse 28, says, and, and, and Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Again, at that time, like I said, they were calling Jesus God. Romans 9, 5 says, Of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. Hebrews 1, 8 says, But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A chapter chapter. Of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom, and this is again words that were not given for, to the Father, but to the Son. Your throne, O oh God. Now, on the other hand, uh, well, I'm not gonna mention a lot of words, a lot of verses about it, just once. But He had a human um, nature too. The Bible will call Jesus a man, too. The Bible says he was a man. Acts 2.22 says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and sights, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. So they were calling, hey, this was a man. Of God, a man used by God in a powerful way. About um, the sinlessness or the or Jesus' holiness, we have a lot of verses for that too. I'm going to share a few. Matthew seventeen five says, "While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed shadowed, shouted them." And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Hebrews four fifteen says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And this is about Jesus. Jesus was Jesus is also our high priest because he is before God interceding from, for us, like I read before. Um, now, about God's uh, substitution for us or, or how Jesus took our place in the cross, that cross where I was supposed to be, where we were supposed to be, Jesus said, hey, you know what? No, Nathan is not going to die. I'll take his place, and I will pay the, the, the price of sin for him. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 19 to 21 says, That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 1 Timothy six says, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Matthew 20, 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a a ransom for many. So, again, the main purpose of Jesus was coming to this earth to give his life for us. I'll give you... Um, an example before we go to the verses for God's, for Jesus' resurrection and ascension. Let's say we, let's go in a a trip to the past 2,000 years ago, and we're there watching Jesus working miracles and healing people and doing all these kind of, of good works and all the works of God. but never died on the cross. He made a lot of things, and then he said, okay, my, my time is, is, is done in here. i got to go to heaven. But without dying on the cross, no one would have been saved by now. So basically, all the miracles that Jesus worked saved not even one person Not even one person was saved by the miracles that God um, worked through Jesus. Amen? Is that making sense? Because he did not die on the cross. But let's go to the opposite. Let's say that Jesus came to the world and did not work not even one miracle, but died on the cross for us. We will still be saved. Because the purpose of him coming to the earth was to... Die for us to give, to give His life, so we can have eternal life. And now, just to finish, a few verses about um, Christ's resurrection and ascension. Uh, Luke twenty-four, thirty-six to forty, says, "Now, as they said these things, Jesus Himself." stood in the midst of them and said to them peace to you but they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit and he said to them why are you troubled and why do you and, and why do doubts arise in your hearts behold my hands and my feet that it, that it is myself Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Of course, that were bruised by by the the, the nails on the cross. So when Jesus came back to life, it was not like a a ghost, you know, um, terrifying people and following uh, people everywhere. Or just a spirit you cannot even touch? No, he was on on a real body, a material body, flesh, right? So they could touch him. They could handle him. Yeah, we can, in in another time, we can talk more about this. But his aspect was different, right? They did not recognize him because his body was different than before. It's the same way when we um, resurrect, in, the, in, the, in our resurrection in the future, um, we will have a different body, too. We will have a perfect body. But that's something else or, or something to talk about uh, uh, some other time. And the last verse I want to I wanna read tonight that we will start our our prayer time. It is Acts 1, that is Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. It says, Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand uh, gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will, will so come in like manner, as you saw him go into heaven. So, literally, Jesus was taken up into heaven, and yeah, someday he's coming back for us. It's not like he left and he forgot about us. Jesus will return. That's something else that we will talk uh, in, the, in the next few weeks. But yeah, right now we have a... I'm sorry, let me say that again. Jesus is alive. Our God is not dead. And he's sitting right now to the right of the Father interceding for us and that's why every time we pray in his name every time we use his name the father will listen to us because he's the way to make it to the father not only for salvation but for our prayers to go every time you pray it's because of jesus that your prayers have a way to go to heaven amen so I want to I wanna know, does anybody has, uh, have any question tonight before we start praying? Anybody has something to, to share or any question? Okay, nobody? All right. So let's start praying. Let's uh, get on our feet. Let's start to um, pray to the Lord. Uh, it's time to ask to the Lord for his Holy Spirit. It's time to ask uh, to the Lord that he will give us his power, his love, his grace, his his mercy in a tangible way. That um, a revival will take place, first of all, in our lives. Number one, in our lives. Number two, in our families. Number three, among people we know. The city and and, uh, the nation and the world. So... um, there where you are just you can close your eyes or or whatever you want to do even if, if you want to sit down that's okay but the important thing is your that you will your heart in your heart you will feel the passion and and the desire to receive more of god to receive more of the holy spirit Hey, Lighthouse family, thanks so much for tuning in to another one of our podcast sermons. I'm Pastor Joel Sloss. For more podcasts, media, and live stream services at lighthouseniagara.com, Sundays at 10 o'clock. God bless.